0: What's going on, boys and girls? We have a terrific episode of Two White Lights for you today. We were gone for about a week, and we have an action-packed episode. In order to make up for that, we do a little recap of the showdown. Not too long on that, about 30 minutes, uh, primarily because it's been a long time since a showdown has happened, and IPF Worlds just finished up yesterday, and we spent most of the show Talking about IPF World. So we stick to the main storylines or what we believe to be the main storylines of IPF or of the showdown. And then towards IPF World, we get a little bit more in depth, but again, kind of covering the big events that we saw um, that really stuck out to us. We go through some of the big weight class battles and also just some of the big performances and some of the highlights that Steve and I both observed. Really fun episode, always great doing these recaps. Before we get into this recap, or recaps, plural, we have to talk about Leflar Bros. You guys know it, Leflar Bros has the best merchandise in powerlifting. They continuously drop awesome, dope new designs, and they make you look good in the gym, outside the gym, and on the platform as well. They're a triple threat. They are my favorite company in powerlifting, and I think... They do great things for the sport. They're always involved in meets. They try to get themselves involved in meets. They sponsor great meets. They're there. They sell their merchandise. I love what they do. And also, you guys have shown great support for them. Make sure you're following them on Instagram, Left Leffler Bros Apparel. And also, make sure you're going on the site and getting some Leffler Bros merchandise. Use promo code 2WL15 at checkout to save yourself some money. It is the best powerlifting discount code for the best powerlifting apparel company in the sport easily i say that with full confidence use that promo code 2WL15 and also get yourself some two white lights merchandise on our very new website is an easy link where you can go shop but it takes you directly to leftflowerbros.com because all of the stuff is sold on leftflowerbros.com he does all of our design. cb does an amazing job with getting the two white lights merchandise looking pretty looking great we just released our Twitchin design that color scheme, that look, that design is fantastic. We might come out with another colorway coming soon. And we also have the off-the-top rope tee. We have the original logo. We have the fight night tee as well. We have a, we have the dad hats there and the banners. So make sure you're using that same promo code, 2WL15, to get yourself some merchandise. Remember what you're going to do. You're going to go to leftlarbros.com. You're going to fill your... Shopping cart up with left flower Bros merch, and you're gonna save some room for Two White Lights merchandise. And don't worry, we got a discount code to help you save money: 2WL15. Also, make sure you go to lift.net and get yourself some Stoic gear. I wear Stoic gear in the gym and on the platform, and the reason why is quality. It is my favorite equipment to wear. The singlets, the wrist wrap, the knee sleeves, I love them, and you can get yours. If you use that promo code ANGELO10 to save yourself some money, and they are extremely affordable. They do not try to sell you on just a brand or a label alone. You're not paying for a logo. You're paying for quality, and you're paying not that much for it, too. So optimize your performance. Get some stoic gear. Use promo code ANGELO10. Also, make sure you're going to NotoriousLift.com and get yourself some no-slip-drip slippers. I use them primarily on uh, my deadlift, and also I put on the bench. They help my deadlift, of course, but they make my deadlifts look so good because they match my attire. They make me look pretty. Remember, if you look good, you feel good, you feel good, and you play good, Notorious Lift will help you do that. Use promo code ANG15, A-N-G-15, to get yourself some notorious lifts. And also, make sure you're looking out for the drops. You can go on the website and see what they got available, but those drops and those new colorways and those new designs, you do not want to miss out on those. Use promo code ANG15 and get yourself some notorious lift slippers. Also, make sure you are subscribing to two white lights on apple Podcasts, download our episodes give a five-star rating leave a review if you love two white lights you will give us a five-star rating and you will give us a review as well that is important to us on apple Podcasts. we're also available on spotify all you got to do is follow and you can get up-to-date episodes for two white lights and also we got the website as well And the navigation on the website, shout out to Kyle Miller to Project Strength, is phenomenal. You can listen to the episodes a little bit more easy. We can get the, the, we have the categories out for most of the episodes as well. So if you want a recap, you want a preview, you can search that and also subscribe on twowhitelights.com as well. And without further ado, here it is, Two White Lights. We are finally back with a couple of recaps. In this week that we were gone, Two highlights was gone, we saw a lot of things in powerlifting. We saw the showdown meet, we saw IPF Worlds, we saw the, the, the pro qualifier. Saw a lot of shit, and now we're going to
1: recap a lot of it. Yeah, it was a busy weekend. I had a busy weekend too. I was game day coaching all day yesterday at Missouri State Championships. I have one of my lifters uh, competing at the Virginia Pro Qualifier, and now he's going to be at the Virginia Pro Qualifier. So um, that's – or the Virginia Virginia Pro. This nice. Is the before, so I was very excited about was, that. Was that, uh, was that Lorenzo? Uh,
0: yep. Lorenzo yeah. – uh, Lorenzo over now. Or, or Lorenzo
1: last name Saber couldn't print an
0: ounce. That's that's what I, I, heard. I still don't.
1: I don't know it. I, I I think I know it, but I don't. I think it's Tomaciao, but I don't think that's right at all. I think it's Tomacello, maybe. Yeah, okay. I say it wrong all the time. It doesn't matter. So yeah. Appreciate it. Connor Borkert handled him. That that was that was a, that was a big go to He handed off some of his strength to, to Lorenzo and it went well. Nice.
0: Well, that's good to hear. And
1: uh, we are also live on Twitch as well. So we're recording.
0: We're going to be doing this quite frequently. Is going live on Twitch and also recording the podcast, but we had the showdown take place as well about a week ago, and we did a recap, or we did a preview on the showdown, and with the recap, much like previewing the showdown, it's hard to even recap the showdown, because it's all intertwined in Amazing Lifts, and Amazing Lifts, great moments, but like, it's not as straightforward as, say, IPF Worlds. Yeah, because,
1: I mean, for a meet that is about... The top five, and like when we literally did our entire preview show on the top five, the actual meat puts very little emphasis on that. It was almost near impossible to find out who actually was the top five. I mean, we all knew John Hack won, and we all knew Christy Hawkins won, but outside of that, like you had to kind of dig find out who actually won. So, therefore, like when I think of the showdown, I don't even think about the top five. I'm just I'm just thinking about memorable performances. And it really goes down to memorable lifts. I mean, that's, that kind of is the untested side. It kind of, a lot of times there's, there's more emphasis on lifts versus.
0: I seriously had to wait an entire day in order to find out who won the meet. And it's this odd, interesting thing that happens, uh, in powerlifting, but I was watching it. I was watching it. And I think the same as you, I was caught up by the amazing lifts that actually took place. The amazing moments, um, Unfortunately, the first amazing moment with his Joe Sullivan squat, that got blocked out um, by the camera crew. And the funny thing was, at that moment, I had empathy for the USAPL in banning any non-affiliated USAPL media and going onto the platform because of that situation alone. Like, that, it was almost like the USAPL. am like, all right, complain now, Angelo, you fucking idiot. You
1: don't know what you're talking about. Yeah, that was, that was a notch on the belt of, like, it is an issue when you get too many people wanting their own videos of everything. So, um, but yeah, like you said, like, I mean, I, if I actually think back on this meat, the literal thing I remember more than anything of watching it. That was like, holy cow was the two almost made thousand pound deadlifts. Yeah. If either of those would made were in 10 years, we probably look back. And the main thing we remember is who hit that thousand pound deadlift, which we actually kind of talked to Garrett about it. Like Jamal puts almost more into that. Because he knows, like, he could hit the world record total, mm-hmm. and not too many people outside of powerlifting are gonna care if yeah. him or Dan Griggs deadlifts a thousand pounds. They'd be sports center famous.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I actually brought this example up uh, today when talking about Jesus. Uh, we'll get to the IPF World's uh, recap later, but with Jesus winning super heavyweights. He's going to have to do so much more because Ray Williams was the first guy to do certain things. He was the first guy to squat a thousand pound raw, drug tested, and that was big. And you have to you have to almost do way more than that and something bigger in order to top that guy's success. This would have been equivalent. Jamal Browner and Dan Griggs. You would have to you if you were the first person to do that in this situation yes, it is more important than a total. It is more important than winning the showdown. It is something that will make you live in the archives of powerlifting forever. So I usually wouldn't say it, but yeah, in that, in that circumstance, single lift accomplishments are important. I, I, I really do think that, and I wouldn't fault Jamal Browner if he maybe sandbagged a few things to do that, but I don't think he did. I still think he was in that meet trying to put together the best total possible.
1: And I think too that makes so th- this was I would argue this is the best culmination of untested lifters we've ever had in a meet other than maybe in 2019 the one that Christy, uh that Steffi and Mariana went back to back and then I think uh, Brandon almost won or something and almost beat Larry I forget I forget it but whatever it is I remember this is probably the best one along with that Kern and then Rump. like we had the best but there was one issue to post about it very few people lived up to expectations. Because they were all cutting enormous amounts of weight. Yeah, Hack lived up to expectations. Christy Hawkins went way past what we thought she would. I mean, I think we all kind of talked about thinking she might be taking a token squat because of that injury, and she ends up squatting an all-time world record. Outside, I mean, we have some other ones. Shane Haller really came to play. I mean, he had a huge day. Um, Blakeley Hugh had a good day, but not great day. Like it was, it was a PR performance for him, but it was well below what he needed to. Kirsten Skurlot, she definitely came out and had an amazing time. Um, i trying to think some other ones. There's some other good lifts, but, like, true all-around performances, there's a lot of people, a lot of five for nine and six for nine days for people that basically were taking attempts on their second attempts because they weren't going to hit that in a meet mm-hmm. after cutting 25 pounds. Yeah.
0: Um, I think there was a, that was one of the things that was brought up, I, and I really don't know where to place it on because I think a lot of people just always go to, on the untested side, the attempt selections are shitty, which – in a lot of times, that's true. I do look at untested side with how they approach the meet in general. I'm like, I don't know why they would make that 10.5 or, you know, 15-kilo jump from second to third when their second was an RP10, but they do it anyways. But also, the whole situation of it being just completely based on Dots and Wilks and Best Overall Lifter, I think you're just going to promote stupid attempt selections because... I think with just going weight class to weight class like it is in the USAPL and IPF, it's much easier to make your attempts that way. It, it's very simple. You're going based off total, and you're only focused on your weight class. You're really not thinking about best overall lifter. When you have to make your attempts based on a person who's two weight classes above, above you or two weight classes below you, I think your attempt selections are just going to suck, and it forces people to overreach, um, and that's why I'm not like – the biggest fan of best overall lifter meets, I like to see it broken down into weight classes a little bit more. I want the trend to go in that way. And I guess the third scenario there is what you said, is the uh, the the weight cuts. I think right now we're in a weird situation with the untested side of powerlifting, where it's a weight cutting contest, not a powerlifting contest. I, I see a lot more lifters do a phenomenal job of cutting down from 200 to 180, but they don't do a phenomenal job of executing their lifts on a platform, which... I think that should be the first thing you should worry about, performing on the platform as opposed to nailing the uh, the water load and the cut and the IV and then
1: the the recap 24 hours before your meet. Yeah, and like we obviously made that post. I'm on the side of, like, I, I mean, again, like, when we look at this meet, I'm thinking about big lifts. I mean, that's the reason you take steroids. You don't take steroids steroids project be as strong as humanly possible. Like it, I mean, I get the point of like trying to be pound-for-pound pound strong, but most of these guys could be just as pound-for-pound pound strong to natural. That's why we have the most – the 165 class, the best ones are natural because mm-hmm. steroids make you bigger. They make yeah. you stronger, but they more so make you bigger. If you want to be pound-for-pound, I'd be natural and be pretty strong pound-for-pound. Pound. The reason to hop on is to do things that are just ungodly and insane, and we just had a lot of people who had the potentials crazy things that they just it, – it just too often, it just kind of doesn't show through. Now, it does sometimes. We definitely see it. I mean, obviously, in the, even in the USAPL, people don't perform sometimes up to expectations. But there was just a lot of lifters that, um, even though they had good performances, you, you just know that so, so much more if they, they were doing a two-hour weigh-in and couldn't do these ridiculous cuts uh, and whatnot. So
0: Yeah, yeah, I agree. But, I mean, I, mean, I think we should uh, just go with the, the person that always takes – takes the headline in these um, these untested money meets, and that's John Hack. I'm at a point to John Hack where I said it on the previous show, he needs to fuck up for me to be like, oh, that was that was surprising. That That's something that I can really talk about. Because I'm continuously just talking about John Hack doing ridiculous things that we didn't think that would be able to be set, and he just does them. And I... It's hard to talk about it, in my opinion. I don't know how to continuously talk. I think he's done so well in this sport, he is turning into like a LeBron James type or a Michael Jordan type where we have to give him a bunch of handicaps or we have to start ridiculous debates on whether or not he compares to Eddie Cohen or Gene Bell or people of the past and try to get this debate going because that's how fucking good he is. He is going up in weight classes and taking their records. He's... Just he's done everything you need to do in powerlifting, and I, I think the only the only conversation that is had after the meet because we're so used to his dominance is is he is he the goat? How does he compare to Eddie Cohen? How does he compare it to the powerlifters of the past? How does he go? Comp- is he going to take multiply records? What's he going to do next? Like
1: that is what we're where we're at with John Hack right now. Because I mean, he out totaled Jamal. You look at Jamal and you're like, holy cow, Jamal's insane. He out-totaled Jamal, weighing 20 pounds or 40 pounds lighter. Mm -hmm. Also did something we talked about on the previous show. We talked about how, like, a couple of years ago, we talked about how no guy could ever touch, like, where women's were on the Wilks and Dots. It would would never be possible. It would be asinine. He just hit a Dots, and what's it in Wilks? Probably 650-ish as well, 643. He's literally doing the Dots and Wilks that could not be impossible for a male to do, and he's now doing it. And that also, to an extent, like makes some other people's performances look kind of subpar because, like, John's doing it weighing 98 pounds. It's just absolutely insane. And I'm going to say that for Christy Hawkins, too. Like, we had two people in this meet that were just, they were just God tier, and everyone else was below them. I mean, Christy was out totaling the next person that was supposedly supposed to be in her class, bad journalism, we got that wrong, um, by 100 and almost. So John's beating people 40 pounds heavier. Christy's out totaling the next person in her class by 150 pounds. Like they were just at a completely different level of anyone else than real. Yeah. Um, and the, uh, the Conhack is that guy, though, that's
0: like where we didn't think something can be accomplished in powerlifting. He's the guy to do it because we said people, we were like, there's no way anyone is going to total 2K at 181. And he did that and then he goes up in weight class, he totals more, now he's beating 242 guys on his total. He is the guy that breaks like through all the expectations that were put on powerlifters. He's the person, he also like trailblazes the way for other people, because in the conversations I'm having, where, you know, uh, after the meet, will this be accomplished again? Will this be set again? Will another lifter come close to him, or set these numbers at this weight class, and everyone says... And it's not going to be for a very long time. Well, it has happened. After John Hack does it, we do have other lifters come up through the uh, the woodwork and actually get somewhat close to what he did in the past. So I don't know. He's just doing insane things for the sport. Um, it's almost like a he he was my favorite lifter. Now I just I can't root for like a superhuman anymore. He's like uh, I, I don't know if he would like this. He he reminds me of uh, if anyone watches the boys. Uh, if there's any boys uh, enjoyers in the chat, he's like uh, Homefront now, and Homefront—he's <laughs> like Homefront as opposed to Captain America. He's just that damn good. He's perfect in every way. Um, I mean, I'm not saying Homefront is. So if you guys want to watch the show and you know, <laughs> come up with that it might be the most flattering comparison you can do that. But that's what Hack is in my mind. Like he could think of something, or he can just burn a fucking hole through your head just by looking at you. That is. What uh, John Hack is for me in powerlifting right now. And like, he has his performance, I think, after Hack, it it kind of overshadows a lot. Uh, You have Chad Penson second, which, um, so Chad Penson was not very happy uh, with what Garrett and we, actually, it was just Garrett. I'm going to throw all the blame on Garrett on this one. Chad, we're still cool, Hope are boys and shit. But uh, Garrett said his squats were looking a little iffy. And I think Gary was right on that one. He went one for three on squat. So Chad said, he's like, if I go from what you had me at fourth to second or third, I get to, like, beat your ass or, you know, I get to talk my shit. And he did that. So, I you know, hands up on that one. Um, I had him projected at fourth. I told him he had to beat Hack or get second because if I said he were projected fourth and he got third, then it's not like going above my projection that much. You have to go way beyond that. So... He took second. A uh, bit of a rough meet, but it's always good to have a rough meet and take second in it and beat Jamal Browner um, in it as well, who also had a rough meet. You know, I think he went five for nine or five for eight because uh, he scratches small.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah, but I, I would say he went. He didn't have a rough meet. It was just selection was not to hit an all-time world record necessarily. Yeah. He kind of he, he left some in the tank on squat. I don't think he emptied the tank there. Bench didn't. Oh, deadlift obviously went really well but he obviously just he made the jump from 925 up to a thousand because he was just going to go for it yeah i I mean he loads up 970 or 975 and chips he probably had so we know a little bit more and that that would have moved him up in the second i would say he probably on the men's side had the second most impressive meet you could say it was just a matter of like he was going for a thousand pounds so good point Uh, yeah yeah that makes a good point i actually think and initially, I think Chad
0: said he got third into this, too, so I don't even think he thought that he got second. Um, Zach Myers, who's just a fucking beast. I mean, he's fully living up to that, you know, um, the that, the 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 premier powerlifter that he is, and he's getting recognition for that now through just consistent runs of, you know, really good meets there. Uh, he's fantastic. And um, you have uh, Blake LeHue rounding it out, which, you never know. I mean, you had. I mean, now at least you know Blake Lahue's meets are getting him like some money, um, where he you know goes at four for nine or five for nine because uh, he's just so. I mean, he you don't you really never know what you're gonna get out of Blake. You could either get a performance where he finishes top three or a performance where he bombs out. So um, that's why I mean, and he was it, super it, close. Yeah, to him, he's like the most entertaining guy for me. Like I know entertaining he, he goes a lot
1: of ways. He's entertaining for that reason. If he hits that eight oh four deadlift that he own. All... Almost got. That moves from the second. So he was right there. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'll throw out one more. I think he, he got sixth. Uh, honestly, a person that came in and crushed it. We talked about how with Garrett, how he just kind of like goes, he's not really well known. Shane Howler. I mean, I think, he, I think he went eight for nine or nine for nine, setting PRs all around. Um, he crushed it like that. He he just all around had an amazing meet. So
0: yeah, there was there was a. T- I mean, again, like th- these meets are hard to break down because it just comes down to lifts and something great. I mean, Andy Huang, that huge Asian guy, had a fantastic meet. He went nine for nine on this. Uh, you know, he got himself a solid five sixty two uh, dot score. Uh, TD. Sm- All right, actually, let's talk about this really quick. If we're talking about lifts, TD Smash. Do you think his ass came off the bench? Yes. Yeah i i I'm still one of those people who hates uh who hates um the instant replay kind of thing because when i see it initially i honestly cannot tell if that thread of his ass is on it like i don't know if that's the shadow or his thread of his ass from the singlet is on it but then when you stop it then you and then you zoom in on it and then you have that still frame then you can see that his ass leaves the bench but in real time like i don't know if i can make that call and give him a red light like because it from my when i saw him like i don't know if his ass is still on the bench based on what. I saw in real time there. Um, I don't know. I mean, actually, I mean, I, he's an honest guy. I don't know if he would say like, yeah, my, and a lot of lifters were uh, admitting their gifts for that weekend. I don't know if he would say um, that his ass left a bench or not, or what his, his stance is on it. But it's, um, it's a funny, it's, it's my frustration with, you know, anytime there's a replay with sports, because people always do like, they zoom in on like the, the fucking, like the shred of grass, and um, the inbounds and out-of-bounds marker, and then they look at it, and then they keep looking at it, and they keep looking, and then they come to a decision that the ref got it wrong. It's like, well, when you do it that way, yeah, like, you're going to find it, but in real time, I don't know if I could have red-lighted them on that
1: lift. Yeah, and, and as well as we didn't have a good view, maybe it was down. To me, it looked up, but also that wasn't a definitive view. I mean, I'll, I'll bring it up now, though, because, like, even if, let's say it was down, um, one thing that was a little bit different this year and slightly disappointing Uh, bench and deadlift were not up to par with judging standards. Um, press commands were very fast and, uh, deadlift lockout, how long you had to hold the lockout times was non-existent. Yeah. Like you were getting a down command as soon as it looked like any aspect of your hips locked. Yeah. And you know what, actually, I
0: think I'm on this thing where so many people focus on squat depth thing. And, uh, sometimes, sometimes bench, not really bench. People neglect the deadlift, and this is what I see at these type of meets where, hmm, even, I mean, we've been canceled so many times that at this point I don't care, but when people are judging, which I think a lot of them are friendly, and they know each other, and they know who's doing the lift, they might know them personally, I think you get a lot of brother-in-law calls where they're helping them through it if it's a record. They're they're afraid to red-light their friend. And I think that happens more so with these money meets as opposed to something like IPF and USAPL because not a lot of us are friends. Like, I don't really know the judges who are judging me that day. I think a lot of those times those people do know each other and they're afraid to red light world record lifts. And that's what it looks like on deadlift commands. Like, you don't want to see a person you know hold their deadlift longer than they have to do it. And that's where you get a quick down command. That's my hot take. You know, I, someone could yell at me and say that I'm wrong, but that's what I feel. Um, I, I, I think I saw that too at power surge last year. I'm not saying it's a, I, I'm not saying it's, a, you know, common for those meets, but that's what I saw at power surge. It was the down commands were given outrageously fast. And a lot of those lifters were f-
1: familiar with the judges who were there that day. And at this meet, especially I think it could be the, the same. Especially the deadlift bar. Cause guess what? Like, if you try and hold a lockout with a deadlift bar for three seconds or like a couple seconds, like you should be to show control, a lot of people are going to miss that. Yeah. Whip is significant once you're getting up in weight. And I felt like a lot of people were literally getting down commands before the whip could affect them and was going to pull them forward, anyways. Like mm-hmm. Dan Grigsby's his first attempt, he was falling. The whip was taking him down Yeah, on his first attempt. The second attempt was great. I mean, no, no issues there. Looked amazing. First attempt, but I mean, there's a lot like that where like. You know, that whip was going to kind of pull them forward and they were getting down command so fast that it wasn't even affecting them so um, and like i said i did last year i felt like they were pretty good on all three lifts this year they were they were really good on squat and then bench and lift it got a little last
0: also from my understanding because i have a little bit of inside information on this um a lot of the people were supposed to judge the meet kind of backed out at the very last moment there so they had to you know work with what they had and they kind of had some tired eyes at that point because i don't think they were able to fill out the judges and and from that that is unfortunate because it was a dip in judging from that and i thought it one year well officiated this year not the worst thing i've ever seen but it was subpar um a lot of those lifts in real time though like i guess that's not why i'm judged i would have white lighted. like um we can go we can segue into the females now but uh briani terry one point for bad journalism we mentioned her name again but her deadlift in real time I thought was a white light lift. Like I white lighted it watching it live and then I saw the replay. I'm like, okay, then I would have red lighted it based on what I saw again from a from the judge's perspective. Yeah. I just, I, I don't know exactly why. I, I don't know exactly why that was, but a part of me just feels like it's just a hesitancy to
1: red light, red light world record lifts. Yeah. And especially when there's so much hype behind the crowd and what, not, I mean, it can be tough, but I mean, like I said, like the good part about the USAPL and the fact that like all the judges at nationals are like in their 50s, 60s, and 70s, and they don't know any of us, nor probably care about any of us, nor are on, um, and so they don't, they don't have any issue red lighting any of us because they're, they're literally like a different generation. They don't, they don't have any kind of connection with us. They don't hang out with us after the meet. They're not friends with us. I'm not from the same gyms lifting with us. so it is tough. like there's always gonna be a thing where when a, a friend or someone you know you, you know someone or look up to them and you're judging them, it's gonna be a little bit tougher. but yeah, yeah, that was just that was something a, a little bit different. For sure. yeah, going you had uh, going through top three we have we had Christie, uh, Hawkins, uh, Brianni, uh, two big or the next three, the first two we we all predicted. The next three we got completely wrong. Yeah, we fucked up. yeah, we except for Garrett. Yeah. Ashley Contorno, well, it went Ashley Contorno. Kirsten Scurlock and Terry Ashley. We talked about Kirsten a little bit. Garrett brought her up. Uh, Ashley and Terry, we didn't talk about them hardly at all. We apologize. They came. I, let's look how, what was their total PR? Because both of them went crazy over what they did before. So yeah, uh, Ashley went hundred and almost 60 pounds over her last meet. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, Terry went about... 70 ish pounds over. Oh no, over her last raw meat, her last wrap meat, her last raw meat, one hundred and sixty pounds. So both of them went one hundred and sixty pounds over their last raw meat, and, and crazy. Um, th- those were two of the people that showed up. Like they hit their lifts. They did f- phenomenal, um, incredible performances, and obviously they they proved us wrong on our top five predictions because we didn't include them at all, and they were amazing.
0: amazing. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, yeah the yeah that was the thing i was watching the most and really just watching like our picks you know be proved wrong but that's why you do this right that's why you watch powerlifting meets um and i think a good thing that happens is we're not really expecting these great performances from these lifters they go out and do it and now we are we we get notice of them uh people get to get notice of them. fans get to actually see them on uh on the live stream they get to see them they get to root them on and they also get to look forward to something going going forward because um, we said on the preview, like, you know, I think Christy Hawkins, Brandy Terry, Chloe Lansing, unfortunately she tore her quad. Uh, we did not know that going into the meets, uh, she tore her quad, but still no matter what, she's going to be in that conversation. And now you can add, you know, actually to this, you can add the other top five lifters. This is going to be the story it's going to be the story going forward because this is what we're looking for. This is what people want to see. They want to see a variety and, more people get into the weight classes or get into these battles that's going to to, to rival something like a Marianas uh, Mariana Steffi or um, a Daniela Amanda Lawrence type so it, it it happens at these meets and it's good that it actually happens and I'm psyched about it and it was really and it, she killed it um Ashley did a very good job I'm actually looking for who was who was the
1: fifth because I know Chris and Skirlock we're, we were pretty like very Terry Ashley Terry Ashley was um and i'll throw out two more because uh six and seventh were great too susan salazar which we'll segue this in a bit she wasn't on the roster so that's why we didn't talk about her at all um so we had no idea bad journalism she, still. Yeah, sixth, bad yeah. journalism still. bad journalism um another point i know exactly who susan salazar is she is a long time phenomenal elite level lifter i definitely would have been on her on her radar um but the one person i do want to point out um uh, tamara walcott sports center resharing her 636 pound world record deadlift yep. so amazing lift there i mean she had a great day all around i mean for a 198 plus lifter to be Wilksing 559 and to be pushing almost close to getting top five i think she was only three uh, points away from top five and, and passing Terry um, amazing so and always just cool like I mean I, like you said like this meets a lot of times just about big lifts. and she had arguably the most memorable lift on the female side with that 636 deadlift and got exactly what you're going to get when you do that which is uh, the more mainstream attention from it yep. Um let me look real quick how many uh, Instagram followers did she get from this uh, had to be, it had to be blown I think up. she was, like, maybe 10,000, maybe a little bit more. Now she's at 40.
0: Yeah, I mean, well, yeah, Sports center reposted her, but also, like, it was, even my girlfriend showed me, like, just this uh, picture of a tweet saying, like, and she did in hoop earrings, too, and it's someone who's not really related into powerlifting saying that stuff, too. Like, it's cool. Like, this is a great thing, and it's because... Like, this is how you get that mainstream success that you're looking for and get more media outlets looking for it. So that was awesome. She had a fantastic meet. I think that was a lifter, aside from Chrissy Hawkins tearing her bicep on her third deadlift and then shaking it off like it was nothing, that was one of the most Rambo-esque badass things I've ever seen in powerlifting. Like, that, I mean, her performance alone was fantastic. And I think also, like, just her performance as well, uh, Tamara Walcott – that, too, was just ridiculous. She had a great meet. She was very entertaining to watch. Uh, she's been a great lifter for a long time. And it's good that, you know, she gets her flowers at this type of meet. Um, the um, the one thing that I guess, uh, like, we have to we have to throw in there, too, is, you know, with the live stream. I didn't know Brianna Terry missed weight. I didn't know that. Like, she was very clear about it. Like, I didn't know about it until you told me after the meet. Like, in yeah, the live stream, it, it was, wasn't mentioned. I'm like, you have to mention these things. Like, I don't know. I thought he hit an all-time
1: world record. So, give a little background on that, because we'll talk about the live stream. I'll say the good about the live stream first. Um It started off rocky. You know, I don't know what happened here. Um, but once it got going, the actual, like, videography of it was about the best ever. Um yeah. Now, I will say the Virginia Pro Qualifies will so then be the Virginia Pro December 4th one week later was pushing it to be even better uh, yeah. that was amazing yesterday i think you tuned in that was fantastic and had all the things we we're going to say was missing here was amazing you had the, you had people in the staging area you're getting them during the walk up you're getting the back view as they're walking up to the swap bar. all these different views were so good it was it was f- fantastic exactly what we need there was two big downsides though. i'll say one whatever camera was the front view for the main list was lower quality seemingly than all the other cameras they were using. Was it me or was that, did you yeah. feel like that too?
0: No, there, there was occasions where it looked good and occasions it didn't look good. I don't know exactly the reason for that. Um, yeah. I kind of saw that too. I think they kind of just, it seemed like the second day, just they stopped using it. So maybe you were onto
1: something. Maybe there because just I just all it. And then the other issue, which is what we're going to talk about is the no graphics, which that, out um i don't know the, the entire details of it but supposedly the night before they had tested everything everything was great everything worked and then they just showed up that day on spawning and it didn't work anymore um, they had all the graphics to be there it was all ready to go and just for some reason um was not they, they had it on their screen but it was not turning over to the live stream and so that's why it wasn't there but obviously that's an issue that's a huge issue because like it was almost impossible to follow this meet since they don't use lifting cap, can't be able to watch it online, and there was no flight orders, there was no weights. It was darn near impossible to follow anything, and it was incur- entirely impossible to follow who was leading in that top five battle and attempt selection there or what was going on there. So that was the unfortunate part. That made it very hard to view, as well as the fact that it was a four-flight meet and everyone was spread out. Uh, we obviously talked about it on a preview show. If if they want to make this even better, Garrett agrees. Um they need to put the t- top 12 nominated in, in the last flight together. They need to be in the same flight. Yeah. And usually the issue is, is you you don't put, you don't mix these people because you don't want like really light weights going to really heavy weight, literal weights on the bar, but no one's lifting light in this meeting. Everyone's lifting heavy. So it's not an issue to put John Hack with the heavy weights because guess what? John Hack is almost out totaling them. Like we can have, it would be so much easier to view that one flight, um, and see that battle going on versus this four flights because I mean, just the fact I think it is, not <laughs> watch everything. Like I mean, I, I watched some of it, but like I probably watched like maybe one tenth of the meet because I, I don't have that much time on a Saturday and Sunday to sit down for ten hours.
0: No, I, I couldn't either. Um, I was like, I I was getting my car fixed during that time, yeah. and it's an eight hour meet. Like I missed so much of it. I was uh, the only thing I was able to see was Joe Sullivan's all time world record squat really not be seen. You know, um, it was just like it was blocked. Like that was the only time I really had. I didn't get to see him not deadlift as much as me either. But I I didn't really get to see it because it was eight hours long. Uh, and you need that flight. That's why prime time exists. You do need that. You still need that kind of showmanship. You need that production value. And I know that, you know what, also I want like, to like point out the people from the Showdown and people doing the live stream have reached out to us and other people on how they can improve it. So they see the problem there and they're trying to fix it, which is, it's good. It's a step in the right direction. You like to see it. Um, I just think like just going forward for people who are developing a live stream, that is your number one priority. I would actually sacrifice the cool roaming cameras, the high definition cameras for something that is just good, multiple camera views. I don't care if it's static and it has the graphic. The graphic, the overlay is the most important thing. Focus on that first. Make sure that is dialed in, that is set. You are perfect. That there's no glitches in the system when you do that, and then really focus in on the dynamic cameras, uh, the the production value of the meat, how it looks, because this it is the most important thing when it comes to when it comes to following a meet, when it comes to spectating a meet, and it just. It was a nightmare the first two days. One, they had Garrett, you know, commentate himself, which is very hard to do. Whenever you have one commentator, I don't know exactly why I wasn't picked to commentate that I mean. I might have to ask some people. I could assume the reason why, but uh, I would have to ask some people on why I wasn't there commentating it. But I, it, it, it's hard for him to get that information out to you. And that's what you have to do now is get the commentator to tell you what's going on. The second day, I thought those girls did a fantastic job. But they didn't tell me what was going on. Like, they didn't tell me what was happening. Like, I didn't know Breonna Terry missed weight. I didn't know it was an all-time world record deadlift that he bro- uh, didn't break. They didn't say that really explicitly. That's not the
1: showdown's fault. That's, our, that's ours. That's bad journalism on our part. We should have known that. Yeah, I, I say didn't... it again. We're, we're beat that one to death.
0: Yeah, I actually also we're on Twitch right now. Uh, keep a tally on the amount of bad journalism points we have. Uh, we want to see exactly how many points we accumulate on the show, and we might make it a running stat. We're always trying to break that record, but that's why it's important. Like that, those kind that of things. That has important. to be the
1: hashtag. That has to be the hashtag.
0: Bad journalism. Yes. Boom. Yes. are right, you guys hashtag it.
1: bad journalism
0: yes uh, the for the showdown yeah for the showdown and IPF worlds recap it's hashtag bad journalism make sure you do that on the story repost uh, but yeah that's but also again like I said before they've reached out and how to make it better uh, my advice to everyone listening first and foremost graphic overlays on what's going on you know like just finding out who won you know Monday Night Football on Tuesday is not a good thing so you know, like that's 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 fix that up and try to and try to uh, make that. And I'm confident that they will make that happen in the future. And more meat directors kind of understand that, and they make the changes necessary.
1: Yeah, and we're, we're critiquing things. That's what we do on the show. But I, I, again, I thought overall it was a great meet. I think there's some things that can make it amazing, but it was one of the best untested meats ever put on. Um, they were some graphics working away from that live stream being amazing um we had some really good storylines it was a blast to be able to watch I just a little couple things they can do that can just put it over the edge where it could just be it could just be amazing because uh the untested just kind of misses that they, they they have one or two meets a year maybe three that can kind of push this envelope um and if, if one of those meets can just kind of nail it um I think they can be long term. We've always we've seen this cycle of like lifters going to do the Kern, and now they're doing the Showdown. It used to be RUM. it used to be uh, the Pioneer Open. It, just, it switches all the time uh, what their meats they're doing. If one, one of these can just be the goat and just do everything right it's itself apart, where that's just going to be the Super Bowl every year. Yeah, for sure. I, I I personally think the best shot at it is the Showdown. Yeah, it, it's getting close. Yeah, I agree. I think
0: more meets are going to happen. Uh, that's going to challenge it, but the showdown is there,
1: and also you just still do
0: have a great supporting cast. Uh, like I said, I think I think a Shane Hailor, Luke Knoll are one of those guys who kind of like you know bust in there uh, as far as like being you know big breakout performers. But people we mentioned on the show who actually like did fantastic. Carlos Reyes was really fun to watch. Uh, nine for nine meet from him, I believe. Let me check that just to make sure I don't have another point for bad journalism. Eight for nine, my mistake. So you can throw that one in the uh, tally there for not knowing that right off the bat, but he had a fantastic meet. I really enjoyed watching him, and also RP Max. I uh, didn't have the meet I think of breaking into that top five, but
1: I thought that was a pretty good meet from him. Yeah, definitely better. I mean, definitely better. I mean, he got the deadlift. That's what he kept missing. That was kind of holding him back. Is like that eight seventy to eighty range deadlift. He got it. That put him. I think he was seventh um, behind uh, Blake and Shane. Um, I'll just run down a couple more. Um, Dan Grigsby, obviously, yeah. I don't think many people knew him. Um, I think more people know him now. The issue is, is I think he's in the military. and doesn't actually even power lift year round. I think he only did like a, like a 10 week prep period. He hadn't been like powerlifting prior to it. I and mean, that dude may be the best in the world. If he could actually like power lift year round.
0: Yeah. Um, Dan, insane. Dan. Yeah. Dan is the power. Like he is like one of the power Powerlifter. like every top powerlifter knows him because they were sent a video. It's like, He's perfect with what he does. He has perfect leverages. He looks like a fucking superhero. Like, he's just built amazingly. Like, he's just a fantastically built lifter with amazing leverages. Um, And every powerlifter knows of him, but not, like, the niche fans of powerlifting
1: really know. Yeah. Uh, Going down the list, I've got a couple more. Um, We talked a lot about Jen Ratzinger, which she had a great meet. I mean, she's been kind of like the go to that 114 class for a while, but she actually got beat by six pounds by alicia luna someone i don't think we talked about at all so alicia came in and actually took that weight class and finished uh i believe eighth overall on dots on the women's side um jordan wong um obviously joe set the record but jordan actually set the record too they went back and forth that one, oh that yeah that was the incredible battles in the entire meet yeah jordan wong setting that record uh and the last one i'll throw out there uh, Well, i'll throw two more Crick foster hit that huge thousand and eight pound deadlift but the one we need to say because we we crapped on him and he proved us wrong, Nick Forte. I mean, he, he shut us up. I was about he, he to say, depth, yeah. no problem.
0: I was about to say, and he was a good sport about it. After two, you know, he you know he listened to it and he got back to us, and you know he buried a squat. But at the same time, I want to say that he people were saying that he shut up a lot of haters about uh you know about his squat depth. Well, you squatted to depth this meet, so so yeah, you're you're gonna shut up the haters if you. Do what we wanted you to do, and that was squat the depth. So, yeah, <laughs> I find it very funny that that's the thing. It's like, oh, well, he proved a lot of people wrong. It's like, hey, all he had to do was do that in the first place. He wouldn't have a hater. You know what I mean? Like he would be, he would be fine. Everyone would think he was awesome. But um, he but he he was a good sport about it. I'll give him that. Um, oh, uh really quick, just your quick reaction, Kevin Oak, depth or not. Yeah, I didn't know what the hell this was. I was getting—I I,
1: I, I don't. I, on that record, point was not depth.
0: Yeah, I think uh, the the—I uh, I guess Kevin Oak has a good amount of fanboys going on because, like, I—I I said multiple times, like, no, like every angle you look at, like objectively speaking, it was not depth. I—I I don't know what you guys are looking at, and I couldn't convince everyone. I—I w- I agree, it was a red light lift. I don't think he really made a ruckus about it. Um, it seemed like a parallel lift to me. I I don't know. I I that, that was one of the controversial things that happened uh after that meet, but yeah. Um yeah, those so uh we we really couldn't go through a complete breakdown of the showdown, you know, weight class by weight class, um because, you know, we're on some time constraints and also we have another meet.
1: Yeah. ITF Worlds just finished um, I don't. we're not going to do another podcast on it, so I'll talk about it now. But the fantasy league we did was a blast. Yeah. It was so much fun. I don't think you got to be as involved I, back to adulting this week. Yeah, league. I was uh, so... It was actually working.
0: Yeah. I was so was, uh, so upset about that.
1: Yeah, not being able
0: to... It was know. so
1: much fun. We're going to do this again. Obviously, we can't expand. Like, It's going to be different leagues. Like, We just can't be in every league. It's not going to be like the King of the Lifts one where it's all 400 people or whatnot. It's like eight to ten ten team leagues. It was so much fun for a couple reasons. One, we were on a group chat. All of us were going back and forth, just bantering the entire, every single session. Um, Two, it made every single weight class fun. Like, even if Jessica Butner's running away with the 76s, I had someone who was battling for fifth place, and that was huge. Or you had someone that we were sitting there, like, on the edge of our seats because if our lifter was missing our first two squats and we're worrying about them bombing out and getting – we know it's going to ruin our. Season. It was a blast. I honestly think we talked about it in the group chat. Like, we're going to try and make what we can do. I think it's going to be even more fun come nationals time when we actually know more of these lifters versus drafting random people. We had so many people that didn't even, were from Libya and Mongolia. Uh, but, absolute blast. And shout out, um, Mike took home the crown mm-hmm. last minute the 120s me and you for a very long time yeah or not a very long time but it was looking like you were first i was second we were going back and forth um you had did you have a bot? i think you might have did you have a bot? you had a bot out or someone? Like yeah Whatever my my
0: my joke picks of novelty uh apparently did matter actually i think that's my that's my experience with this fantasy league of like actually trying to win it and not you know just being funny and taking the only lifter Mongolia had, and then them show, like not <laughs> not have a lifter in there, and then like the I was just picking people based on name alone. Um, that that ended up hurting me, but yeah, it was it was a lot of fun. Like you said, I didn't really get to participate, in it and I was like kind of upset because I like right seriously right when World Start, I had a huge workload uh, for my other job. And, like, I was thrown into it, like, super quick, and I couldn't, I really couldn't even barely watch IPF Worlds. Like, I really had no time to watch it, and it really sucked. Because that fantasy league, like you said, has the potential to do great things. If you do it in a league format, it's much better because you're watching, you're watching people, they don't even know they're pulling for 7th, but they're pulling for 7th. And we're going like, we're watching the thing like, please pull for seventh place here. Like we need, it's, it's equivalent to me watching, you know, a, a football game and it's like 37 to 14 and you're still watching to the end point because you put, you know, money on the over and it has to hit. So you're just hoping for a garbage time field goal or touchdown and that will, that's what keeps you watching the game. Same way gambling makes football all football games fun, even that Thursday night Jaguars Titans game. Fantasy leagues for powerlifting makes everything fun. Weight class to weight class, uh, it was it was fantastic. I really can't wait to do it again with um our future meets yeah. and. Yeah. I think yeah. we can even do one for the shirt.
1: Virginia Pro. I'm gonna brag on myself. Si- what do you say? Can we do one for the Virginia Pro? I we
0: know bra- there's not enough lifters, be- but we can do a smaller one. There was
1: enough lifters. We have to do a small one, maybe like four people.
0: Yeah. Yeah, we Maybe would have four, to think about man, that.
1: I'm gonna, I'm, I, I'm arrogant. I got second, so I'm gonna make sure I say that. So yeah, I may have not one, but I got second overall. And I was Harrison got third. So the, the or I, the Oracle's not always gonna win, but he's always gonna be close. He's always gonna be close.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I was really co- uh, confident in myself. I mean, we're gonna get to all the stuff, but I was so just happy with my first four picks there, especially with the steal of. With the steal of Chandler Babb, I think. I think because I'm about to, I'm about to go on a whole like sizable like worship to Chandler Babb very soon. We get to 69 because I, I think as far as like breakout performers, it was her. But her winning the 69s and me picking her in the second round, I'm like, yeah, I'm a genius, right? Like everyone's picking Kim and Anna. I'm sitting here going like Chandler is gonna win that fucking weight class that she did. That made me feel like the Oracle for a second.
1: There there's times. There there's that you will feel that, but um you will well you were, you weren't even the bronze, you were the, the sixth. No, I wasn't sixth this time. Yeah. And
0: I thought so, I was yeah, I was confident after those first two days. I was like, I'm winning this. Amazing. I'm yeah, gonna win this. It was this all thing. over the
1: place. I mean that that, that flip flopped everywhere. There it was it was very hard. Uh oh well, kudos to Person's like a, a web developer and data analyst. He kept making up new statistics to kind of track uh where people were because it was so hard to figure out like what placing we were at at first. And he made up all these different scoring metrics um to be able to kind of get an idea of kind of where we were in comparison as things. Uh, so uh but the actual uh like recap. So what we're gonna do, we got men and women obviously. Um even how it lines up pretty well, there was basically these classes that were really competitive. And three women's classes that were really competitive. And then outside of that, the rest of the classes were just kind of like, there was a very clear winner. So, uh, we're going to kind of go break down each, those three classes and then kind of talk about those winners, I think. So,
0: yeah.
1: um, and really leading off best one to lead off with, cause it was, in my opinion, by far the best battle of worlds, um, 93 kilos with Gustav versus Keiko. Yep. Um, I, I think we knew Gustav was good. Um, I didn't know that he was that good. To where I think he was probably two and a half kilos away from winning. Yeah, like if he had two and a half kilos less on that on uh, less on that last deadlift, he probably wins that meet. Yeah, I uh, completely agree with you. That
0: was, I think, everyone. I I would say probably a consensus highlight of IPF Worlds was the battle ninety three. Um, it was everything you hope for in a battle. Um, yeah, Gustav is extremely good. But Jonathan Keiko, is there an award for most clutch powerlifter? Because I think it's him right now. Jonathan Keiko is coming up clutch in a lot of these meets that are well, very difficult to win. He's, he's got the clutch. He's, he's,
1: team. I mean, him and Atwood, him and Atwood. I mean, well, we're gonna get to it. Kimberly Walford was usually the the clutch, most clutch lifter of all time. But yeah, Keiko. I mean, nine for nine, hitting big deadlifts when it matters. Um, and it goes back to like KCO. I mean, we talked about this before. This is kind of Russ too. Um, there is benefit to not being a super technical lifter. Someone who's just kind of brute strong. Not saying they have bad, tech, bad technique, mm-hmm. but they don't rely on anything crazy. Um, Russ and him are both conventional pullers. They both have very just normalized squats. They don't do crazy bench arches. Um, it's, I mean, it usually lends itself to being much more consistent a performer, and we've seen that with Keiko. He just comes in, he does his nine-for-nine nine thing, and if you're going to beat him, you're going to have to beat him. He's not going to lose. You're going to you're gonna have to win because he's not going to give it to you.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's why, like, I'm – well, I'm just saying with him as far as just being clutch, it's like Atwood is winning meets by, like, a 1,000 kilos, and Keiko had to do it twice. He had to pull for the win. He had to come up big in a very pressure-filled situation. Just that situation alone is hard for a power lifter, just knowing that if you miss this lift, that you will that you will fall a second, and then the dream of getting a world championship is gone. Like, it's it's such a hard thing to actually go through and compete with, and he did it. He's done it twice, actually, too, at USAPL Nationals. He had to do it again. Like, he had to do it two times in a row, and... It was a fantastic seeing get that moment. I think it was – and also, like, there's things that I think everyone could agree on. Keiko winning, like, we can all agree that was just fantastic. Like, we were all in a good mood after yeah. you see Keiko winning something. Like, you, just an overall like. You can't dislike it. You can't knock it. Um, I think he's one of the more loved figures in powerlifting for a good reason. He's humble. He's a super nice guy. He's fantastic. He's just an extremely likable person. Um, maybe the Swedes were not happy that that happened. Maybe it was the only person would be Gustav that Keiko won, but I was very happy to see that more deserving. I don't think there was a more deserving lifter, um, at, uh, at worlds. And I think most people just really wanted to see him win because everyone knows the story behind it. He, this was his, this was his goal. This was his dream in powerlifting to win IPF worlds and get there. And he did it. Like it was just uh, a fantastic moment
1: yeah so gustav i mean that's going to be interesting it's i mean it depends on where's hell i mean there is a benefit i mean we most of these american lifters are doing a bit less because obviously they're traveling overseas I mean, that's going to affect keiko where gustav gets that home field advantage um but that's a battle for the future i mean at gustav he's progressed very very well um I thought he was going to get that third deadlift. I honestly thought he was going to get it based off of how his second attempt moved, and it barely missed it. So that was that was phenomenal. The other close – the other another one of the close classes, this one's – this was very close, but at the same time, it's like – and I hate to put a damper on it, like the 74 kilos. Um, yeah. Alexander Erickson – um i believe i didn't get to watch some of these obviously you didn't get to watch because you're working some of these i didn't get to watch because they were before i woke up usually there was three sessions a day i have to watch next next to this one was when i was sleeping um for what i know i believe alexander erickson didn't do well in squats i think maybe he went one for three or something like that and so he got in kind of a huge deficit but then come deadlifts i believe there was a bunch of missed deadlifts in 74 i might be wrong on that but whatever it is Alexander kind of climbed his way back and mm-hmm. was able to pull for the win over Paul Rimboville. I believe his name is. I'm uh, going to say Rimbeau. <laughs> uh, yeah. um, Paul got a shot to pull for it. Wasn't quite there. Um, but obviously, obviously Alexander pulled off. Uh, and since an upset, because I don't like win, um, you stole the pick for me, which likely I didn't I think I still would have been one point off of beating Mike, but I would have almost beat Mike if I had Alexander. Um, yep. um, but, yeah, great performance. Um, he is the world champion. Obviously, there is the there's the caveat. Um, the fact is he I think he totaled uh, 720 kilos, I believe it is.
0: Yeah, 727. Um, which would he, that
1: be – what do you say?
0: 727.
1: Okay. At fifth or sixth that Ron
0: adds – about that i think that would have just got him fifth um to put it in perspective gonna, yeah. Get it? yeah yeah
1: he just put sigh in the chat Squat me and Delit doesn't like that but i don't care i mean yeah, yeah. Oh, matter is, it's
0: like, no this is okay can i go into this
1: rant right now
0: while we're here and I, while everyone's in the fucking room it. where people are saying that's not the point of it being like okay yes but we still have to say it because that's important especially to a lifter like me where everyone's like Oh, who cares that the one through five of you have Raw Nationals would have gotten first at IPF Worlds. Yeah, it does matter because I can still definitely total 800 kilos in Sweden. Can I total over that? Probably not. That might be a hard thing. I'm not going to make a guarantee that I can, but I can total more than the second place to guide it. I know that for a fact, and I know that Perk can I'll total more than that. I know Atwood obviously can, and I know C can. Sorry that we put a damper on it. I guess that's our jobs as journalists. I mean, we are bad ones. That's our jobs as journalists to say these things. But that's how it is. You you get more you get more when you are actually the best. Taylor Atwood's the best. Perkins the second, and C's probably third. Alexander though he's a fantastic lifter. He's awesome. He's a top five lifter, and he can definitely still continue to strive as a good seventy four. But telling us not to talk about how how the American lifters are good and they're probably the top five best overall in the world is asinine. I don't get why we can't do that. And that's the end of the rant. Hashtag bad journalism.
1: All right. Well, regardless of total, he came in clutch. The, the 74 kind of capstone is. It was very, very close uh, between Alexander, Paul, and, and Yakov, I believe, um, I don't have the totals in front of me. Yeah. Um, also, also on deadlifts. top of that, what you Goodlifts. said about so I was, I
0: was about missed deadlifts, um, he's the only guy to hit his third deadlift. Everyone missed their last Alexander. deadlift. Alexander hit his yeah. third deadlift. That is okay, crazy. Yeah,
1: he only hit one spot. He subtotal wise, I think he was playing catch up, and then everyone missed their third deadlifts. He was the only one that he was able to pull it out. Um, Paul was seven seventeen or seven one seven. Yakov was seven one five. Josh Wright seven twelve. Jakub Unal seven twelve. It was stacked up from one to five. It was pretty darn close. I mean, if Alexander doesn't hit that uh, third deadlift, Dawson the second. If everyone hits their thirds, I think Alexander. Anyone could have been one through five there based off of who hit their third. Who hit that third? They were mm-hmm. all pulling for the win on that, which is pretty crazy.
0: Yeah yeah for sure that was that that, i mean sometimes missed lifts can add to that entertainment value and it did for the 74s yeah i yeah it was still a fantastic battle there um just within that weight class all right uh what's the what's the next highlight for the males one other weight class this was the
1: craziest one 120s yeah, I didn't get to watch it again. I was I was handling at meat, so I didn't get to watch it live. But our group chat for the fantasy league was going insane because this shifted everything. Yeah. Um, the heavy heavy favorite going in was Sink Kosak. He ends up getting third. Um, your lifter bombed out. That's where you. This is this is where you uh, lost the league. God, your lifter, damn Peter, it, Pytor um, Peter Sankowski, He was nominated second. He bombs out. Constantine Musayev, who was a ninth-round pick in our league, I believe, I, I think he was the sixth-nominated person. He ends up winning. Tony Cliff gets second, Sink third, Bryce Project fourth. Um, and then I think Sink and Tony both had a chance to pull for the win um, and missed their third deadlift trying to pull for the win.
0: Yep. Yeah, that battle was fantastic. I think again that was in uh, one of those highlights that people were really looking forward to. Am I just, uh, am I just completely, you know, like the the worst journalist? Because Konstantin just, I had no idea of him being into this situation where he was going to go top three. I was, I was really high. I, I thought Bri- I was really high on Bryce. Um, Sink, of course, is the guy I thought. Tony Cliff, he's. Always, you know, uh up there as far as one twenties go. But then, is this is this the problem with just me following American Instagram? Because I know they have
1: a different Instagram in uh in Russia. Yeah. Well, Pete, Pete Spence sent me the link. I signed up for VK, so next time I can see if I can stalk some of these Russian lifters. um But yeah, I mean, well, even if I mean, I, I still would have predicted it because even if I knew the team was going nine twenty seven. Um, we had an insider, uh, Deha in our league is from Turkey and he knew a lot about Sink, and apparently, I mean, based off of what should have been there, um, he should have still run away with it. I do know, again, didn't, wasn't able to catch. It. Um, I do know, I mean, if you look at the squats, you see a lot in this list. Apparently depth was horrible. Um, depth was really bad. Um, one of the reasons, uh, your guy bombed out. Um, uh, but with a lot of other lifters too. sink, only hit one squat. There's a couple of lifters only hit one or two squats. Um, a lot of depth issues in this class. So there, it was kind of – I mean, you look at it, Constantine went nine for nine, and everyone else was going five for nine to six for nine pretty much, other than Bryce Krawcheck. Bryce went eight for nine and just missed his last deadlift um, when he tried to kind of put up a little bit more on the tank to get a podium spot. Um, but pretty much it was it was the guy who made lifts. That's, that's who won it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was. Um, again, it's always good when you see that too
0: is – when there's a battle and the person who just executes it's like it, it there's one thing to to be you know there's one thing just to be better in powerlifting other people but i do enjoy seeing the what happened these scenarios of what happens if this lifter misses and what happens when this lifter misses is someone plays the strategy a little bit better and executes a little bit better and they end up winning so that's what happened in the 120 weight class um fantastic to see um I don't know where you're going to go to next as far as men's go. I'm just, but... just going
1: to run through the winners real quick uh, of the other classes. Yeah. Like, uh, nearly as much of a battle. There's not as many headlines there. 59. Um, the headline there is two people competed. <laughs> yeah. Um, they did, there was four dropouts from that 59 class. So there was only two people that competed in that class. I wish I had cut down because I could have gotten a bronze medal at Worlds. <laughs> um, but – uh to no surprise sergey fedasenko won it um it was a good meet for him it wasn't like an all-time pr he didn't do anything crazy per se it was it was great but like it was just another sergey fedasenko clinic where he just comes in he does what he does um dominates the 59 kilo class and gold medal that was about it so um 66 was a little bit more interesting like on paper it looks close um panna only out totaled sergey by kilos but i i I don't know for other people watching it. um, I never thought it was kind of like in jeopardy. Like it pretty much Pana seemed in control the whole time. Sergey was doing good, but he really needed like he, he had the really reach to be able to win there. Um, And then Eddie Berglin, um, he had a decent meet, but like uh, his bench wasn't where it needed to be. Kind of the same thing. He's had at other world championships where he just can't have that same bench that he has in training. And so Pana seemingly kind of, kind of ran away with that. And he, 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 had a little bit more in the tank. It seemed on squat, a little bit. Uh, bench, it was pretty close. He grinded that one out. Deadlifts, he actually hit that final lift. But he just lost grip. Like it actually seemed very hard. He just lost grip on it. So he seemed pretty much in control. It was a pretty dominating performance by Panda, in my opinion, even though total wise, it doesn't matter.
0: Yeah, then I think um, with uh, the 83s, Russ, of course, dominated. Um, but you had some really good. You had some really good moments out of 83, particularly with the deadlift. I think there was, what, four? Four world records?
1: Yeah, because Ina pulled the world record on his second, and then Russ pulled it on his third, and then Giannis Buchal from France then chipped Russ, and then Ina then chipped Giannis. So there was four world record pulls back-to-back to back-to-back. To back to
0: back. Yeah. Yeah, that was a fantastic thing, so, and also with, with Ina getting it. That was fucking cool because you have Russ, right? Russ is Russ. He's an enigma. He's the face of powerlifting, in my opinion. He's well known. He's he's the world record total holder. He's undisputed the best in the world. Then you have this this uh, this lifter, young guy, deadlift specialist, and he has that he has the final moment of the eighty threes. The dude, if you follow Ina, he's. Fucking hilarious, just makes memes and reposts memes, makes me laugh daily with what he posts. He's a young lifter, he has a lot of room to grow within his progress as a lifter. And he gets the final deadlift in a flight that has Russ or he on it. I, I love situations like that. I just love moments like that. I was so happy to see it, especially the way he pulled it too, because it wasn't the cleanest pull Hell, it was, you know, one of the uglier pulls I've seen him do, but he did it and he had he had the final pull of an eighty three class that featured the best lifter in the world on it, and he took one of his records away from him. So Russ, you don't get it all Ina has it, and I am very happy that Ina has it. Um, also, I want to make a, a little point right now. If you guys want to mention me in a IPF comment, thinking that I'm going to be your friend, if you take a shit on Ina's record that he set, um, it's not gonna work. I don't give a fuck that my deadlift was higher. It's it's his record. It's his world record. Yeah, he has the world record, and I'm happy for him. I don't enjoy, like. I, I saw a lot of people like mention that, and like. You're not impressing me by, like, kind of uh, negating his accomplishment there. No, he, he got it that day. He's, he's he's the deadlift world record holder, and I'm happy he has it because it's an actual good deadlift now. At first, it wasn't that good. Now it's an actual good deadlift that people can strive for. It's hard to do. Yeah,
1: for sure. And the fact that, about you, you going over there, 336 is going to be a little bit harder for you to be able to go over to Europe and do. So yeah. for people that think you're just going to go over there and break a world. 336 might be closer to your top end when you got to travel over to Sweden, do an overseas trip, be outside of your comfort zone and whatnot. This is incredibly impressive. Yeah, especially with. Well, I will say right now, I could definitely pull
0: 340. If I went to Sweden, I could definitely pull 340. All right, I'll say that right now. I, I could definitely do it, but I like it's not this this situation. If it was comically lower, but I still don't care about single lift records. Like that's another thing. I just it's not. It is one of those things where lifters get to hold on to. I just don't value them as much as a total and beating someone like an IPF World Championship or a national championship. But yeah, I, I, it will be harder, I will say. It. I don't think I could get 345 as easily. Like, that's a hard thing to do. But yeah, it, there's something that goes to say about going overseas, traveling, and especially in an ultra competitive pilot with super strict judging. Then you got.
1: 105? A little. A, not an upset of who won it. Anatoly, we figure was going to win it, but he upset Russ by like point two or a good lift score points mm-hmm. um, to take overall best lifter. And honestly, it would have been it would have been interesting to see Anatoly versus uh, Ashton. I mean, it would have been interesting because obviously Ashton total more on U.S. soil um i think if he's going over to sweden that could have been a decently close battle i probably still take ashton but that could have been really close and i think in the future it's going to be even closer because anatoly just recently he's still under obviously ashton's underweight too um but incredible performance by anatoly and really the two the two lifters after that too Emil a big jump there he got up to a 905 kilo total and then uh a guy that most people don't know about uh uh quarantine clement only 21 years old totaled 895 and got the bronze medal but uh, yeah definitely he is, was still the anatoly show he's anatoly, a, world record and just record
0: yeah and he's uh quarantine is another one of those french lifters he is fantastic french lifter and dude i was not i was not sure on how he would do um i've seen his training before his squats looked a little high his looks lifts look a little kinky, and he fucking killed it like that. That was one of the big breakout performances in my mind. I was really, really impressed what I seen from Quarantine. As Swatme Mean Deadlift said, he had the best good lift score among French men ever, and that is a that is a country with fantastic lifters. So you know, I think Bana had the uh, look as the you know the top male lifter in France. Uh, quarantine is. Up there now as well, and uh, that that's gonna be a lot of fun in the future. Um, uh, Anatoly, yeah, man, I because Ash did compete this weekend, but you know, this is one thing. If I have to motivate Ash, it's like he hasn't competed overseas. I don't think his entire career. I think he did as a sub junior. Okay, but that's still like that's it's still it's it's still a thing that had like it's not exactly proven as battle tested where. People like Russ Atwood, all these other guys have done it many, many times. He hasn't, so yeah, that is something we have to think about. When well, now, when we talk about, you know, Anatoly, yep,
1: yeah. Ashton did. He did IPF Worlds two thousand and fourteen in Hungary as a sub junior equipped. Point is though, <laughs> because that's obviously a very long time ago, and that doesn't really translate to kind of what we're talking about. Because yeah, it would just it would be interesting. I it would, it would pro- I think that would be a very very close battle. Um, with Anatoly and Ashton right now, if mm-hmm. we're if we're going overseas, and I don't know how far you, I don't know uh, uh, Europe, don't how far Ukraine is from Sweden, but obviously it's going to be closer than the US is going to Sweden. So I'm sure it's a little bit easier of a travel there. So, uh, but that that definitely is they, they're they they're one too. They're the two best 105 kilo lifters in the world right now.
0: Yeah. Yeah,
1: I agree. Um, that
0: that oh. will be exciting if that the international, you know, uh, the international competition stays strong. And then um, with super heavyweights, you have Jesus uh, Jesus Alavera's winning. He was a big favorite coming in, but I think just him getting that that meet because he was disappointed after nationals, missing his uh, last two deadlifts. He misses third. It was close. It was a one. It was a two red light lift. Uh, I think he really made a statement with that meets. He improved himself on nationals. That was his big goal, of course, obviously to win a uh, world title as well. Um, pretty much
1: went uncontested. Yeah, he almost won by hundred kilos. Like, like that was that was a Ray Williams esque performance. Like it was just kind of like it's it was Jesus's world and everyone else was lifting in it. Yeah. Um, crushed. It, obviously, huge squat. Bench was really good too. Deadlift. We talked about it. Much improved. Obviously he had, he had lockout issues and that was much, much improved. I did agree that third deadlift was soft. I didn't think he had yeah much, much improved and that's more along the performance of kind of what we expected going into nationals as well. So, um, and it's only going up from there because obviously we, I mean, we, I mean, he just squatted, I believe nine seventy. we know some of this was kind of tapered down a bit obviously because he's having to travel overseas and especially for a big guy, it's even rougher. We've seen that with Ray traveling overseas can do sometimes, um, so yeah, I mean Jesus, fantastic performance, biggest total of the entire meet, um, easily and then complete just he just outclassed all the other one twenties or one twenty pluses. It wasn't even close. So
0: Yeah, and also was, the big thing was Andre uh Andre uh, uh what's his last name? Kotovalov?
1: Novalev. Novilev. Wasn't that the big yeah, wasn't that the,
0: the, the big thing that was supposed to happen is those two and
1: Yeah, supposedly, and that wasn't man, that was he got tenth.
0: Yeah, he got 10th, yeah, not a that very at all. good, yeah, it was nothing, it was nothing of a, a competition between the two, that was, I guess that would be another point for bad journalism, but that's on the other side there, not ours, yeah. um, keep, keep it for uh, all, all sources of powerlifting, but yeah, he dominated, he made himself the undisputed, uh, he made himself the undisputed best super heavyweight in the world with this meet too um, I remember telling him that at Nationals that he is the best super heavyweight in the world and this meet just proves it improved upon Nationals I'm very excited with to see what he does I think we can be definitely looking at the start of a new era with Jesus um, going forward and now to the females which I think the females had probably the the, the better competition from weight class to weight class and also the same amount of insane 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 performances
1: yeah and pretty much just i mean we had we had probably i would call more insane performances and outliers here um i mean almost every class had uh i think uh, most classes had a world record total so it was crazy um definitely the three closest cl- three closest classes battle wise though was 52 kg 7 kg and then 69 kg, 69 kg being the big one mm-hmm. um, that everyone was talking about. Um, so 52, um, I didn't get to watch this one, so I don't know a ton about it, um, but we had Noemi Alabaric, uh, and then the big battle we we're thinking was between her and Drake, and Shizuka Rico from France actually ended up squeaking out that second, sp- second spot. Um, they all totaled over 14-12, um, but it kind of came down to, it was pretty close, I believe until deadlifts. Um, and that's where Noemi pulled out, um, both Shizuka, uh, and Andrea only hit one deadlift. Noemi, um, went three for three and that really was a different, or yeah, went three for three. And that was a difference right there. Um, she, she basically by her second attempt, kind of solidify it by make sure she hit her lifts. So, um, fantastic battle there, just French domination. France won the overall for women. And that's in large part because of those two ladies right there.
0: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I was, that's why I thought Ella was going to be a, a, I was, I was, I mean, obviously I was hoping for Andrea just, you know, out of the, just patriotism, I guess, uh, the United States and also her just being a fantastic person and lifter, but really watching uh, her training, she's just so damn good. Like you could tell when a lifter knows exactly what they're doing and is smart and knows how to execute. That is what Ellabert uh, does. is just her; she is able to execute her lifts perfectly, and she approaches it with a lot of poise. And really, like I, you can count on her hitting all of her lifts too. Like there's not there's he has unquestionable squat depth. Uh, she is, I mean, I, and that's really the big for me. It's the iffiest one is a squat depth, and all of her le- lifts look great. And she is definitely. It's, um, he is definitely one of the premier female lifters in France and really just second to Lea Beauvoir. Like if Lea Beauvoir doesn't exist, we're talking about, um, uh, nail. Neo- how do you pronounce it again? I pronounced it wrong and I was upset. I think Noemi. No- Noemi. I, I, might be I was corrected I before. It was, I think it's Noemi, but, uh, yeah. she would be that, he would be that person, right? If, if like one of the female, one of the best female lifters in history doesn't exist uh yeah fantastic fantastic performance from her fantastic battle there from the 52 didn't know much about uh Hizuka rico i did not that one kind of surprised me and uh th- threw a
1: little, uh, little bit of a curveball for me so now i know yeah yeah for sure she did great um andrea not her best meet but obviously she got to go to the world stage and came out with a bronze medal um but going into the 57s yeah this was a battle but i i felt like kind of had control of it the whole time um the only kind of hiccup there I, this is a rule that i've never seen called and i've all, always wondered why um join i think another lifter or so in this flight got called for elbows touching thighs mm-hmm. your elbows can touch your thighs they, they, can, they can like just lightly touch but they can't aid you at all they can't have any action of aiding and i think there was three people in this flight that got never to this day seen it called even full time and like the person is literally pushing with their elbows i'm like how is that not being called like, get called and that's joy missed both her second and her third attempt um on that um and that kind of opened it up a bit um, because bobby butters was crushing it um maria t she missed on depth on her second i think if she didn't it would have closed it would have closed the gap a little bit more because her squat seemed pretty easy i think she probably could have gone 180. It had a little, a little bit more of a uh, uh, a padding there on her squat. Going in the deadlift, um, Joy just went crazy. She had that 220.5 world record deadlift, uh, and she almost she already had one. She almost pulled 32 uh, on her third. She almost got it. It was close, and she obviously she could have pulled something like 227 if she needed to, and probably would have hit it. Um, she had a decent little cushion, but it was it was going in subtotal wise um maria and bobby butters were dipping at joy's but joy just kind of pulled away at the end there really kind of separated herself which i think kind of what we thought would happen
0: yeah uh yeah that that called uh i i was warned by it before when i used to do high bar because i was super under myself uh with my elbows that i was warned if my thigh i thought if it was your elbows touch your thighs you get a red light because it's very hard to decide on whether or not it's helping you or not so if I, like, in my opinion, if you're judging you just see the elbows touch thighs, I think that a lot of times you're just going to, I, I would give the red light because, like, it just, I can't tell if it's helping you or not. So I'm just going to give you that red light because it is, in fact, touching. Um, yeah, jo- I mean, it, it's it's so hard to win a weight class, especially as competitive as this one, because uh, I, I think she was a favorite going in, but Maria Hattie, that is a person that you know can definitely win. She's done it before. And the I'll talk about clutch lifters. She's one of them, very clutch. And also to go one for three to start off the day and end up winning, that is, that's a very impressive and very difficult thing to do. So Joy doing that was quite impressive. And her deadlift, we talk a lot about forklifts and powerlifting. She is a certified forklift. Give her the stamp right now. Certified forklift. We're going to start that on two white lights. We're going to have our certified forklift list. Joy is on that. Just
1: an absolute beast of a deadlifter. Like I said, it could have been interesting, though. If Maria had hit 180, so Maria took 190. She only took it because she was just trying to make sure she solidified second over body, Bobby. If Maria had taken 180, she may have been able to, to, to jump Joy's second attempt. Joy obviously would have had a pull for the win, but um, that, that squat there I think kind of solidified it for Maria. If she would have hit it, she could have been in striking distance. It would have been close. But um, Joy, five for nine world champion. You don't hear that too often, but she's now the 52 kg world champion and kg world champion. So two-time world champion in different weight classes, which is incredibly impressive that she's able to go up and, and keep her dominance. So, yep. Yeah, definitely uh
0: definitely a fantastic lifter is going into Mani. Um, moving on to which weight class?
1: Which one do you want to do? Sixty nine kilo. I mean that was kind of, that was the highlight and it was the highlight, but not who we thought. Um, I mean we really thought it was gonna be Chandler Babb versus uh Anna Castellian and Kimberly Walford and it ended up being my twelfth round pick um Marte Jenner and Sarah Mazzantini from Italy who actually were pushing uh I think Sarah was more she actually was able to jump she hit a uh, 12 and a half kilos over her second attempt to jump Kim and Anna to get the bronze medal which is a huge clutch lift but the person actually kind of pushing Chandler all day was uh Marte um she finished just uh six and a half kilos behind but for the most part, I mean, it was kind of the Chandler Babb performance. I mean, she she kind of ran away with it. Like, I mean, even though she had a little bit of a challenge, uh, she pretty solidly won. Um, Kim just didn't seem to show up at her best. She totaled 22 and a half kilos less than she had um, at uh, USVI Nationals. Uh, we hadn't know much about Anna, and obviously she just she didn't have her best day there either. But, yeah, Chandler Babb. Go take your take your uh, your rant, uh, Angelo. Do your thing that you've been waiting for.
0: Well, I mean, so in this whole thing that we saw, aside from two lights, two lights definitely threw Chandler Bab in there, but I think everyone was thinking it's a battle between Kim and Anna, and it just wasn't. I mean, it just what that I it turned out to be that wasn't the storyline. I think going into Sheffield, that's what it was: Kimberly versus Anna. That was what everyone is looking forward to as far as the the uh, w- those lifters within that weight class and even within this new weight class. But Chandler Babb, if you just go on open powerlifting, it is seriously the greatest thing ever. I don't know how many meets. It's like six or seven meets on there. Six or seven meets. She has won all of them and like four of them or five of them are the – or four of them are massive, <laughs> massive wins. So over half – of her powerlifting career is her winning a world championship or a national championship at very competitive uh, or within very competitive federations. Um, When you start out USPA and IPL winning those two uh, national world championships, you know, that's something to put in your cap. But how many times do you see a lifter being able to go in and just go to the USAPL, win nationals, which is very hard to win, then win worlds at an ultra competitive weight class and do it. It's perfection. Her powerlifting career right now is that he doesn't know what it's like to get second.
1: And you can say he that. So Kim Walford and tell so Kim has never lost and the person who's never gotten second either is now the one to claim it. Chandler's now the undefeated one.
0: Yeah, and it's but it, it's this this quick it's not quick cuz I know he's been doing it for a while. But even with this amount of competitions under her belt, it's still insane to me that this is her powerlifting career. It's it's not... It, I, I want people to really internalize this and like appreciate how amazing that is, where you start off your powerlifting career, you win USPA and IPL championships, albeit it's not as competitive as the USAPL and IPF, but how many times do people just go and do those, and then they go into the USAPL and IPF, and they don't take that next step. Not only did she take that next step into the USAPL and IPF, she just she went beyond that. She climbed the whole goddamn stair. She dominated at nationals, and then she won this weight class, which I don't think a lot of people gave her the chance to win, aside from me. I gave her – I so said she was my favorite to win. I said she was going to beat Kim and Anna – and I took her second in my fantasy league draft. And I could not be more. I, I, this is the only time in my life where I'm actually looked at as a genius. And I'm very happy about it. And I have Chandler, ba- Chandler Grand Slam Bab to, jam- to thing for that. And I also, I don't know if this is true or not, but I'm going to call her powerlifting's first Grand Slam champion. Because I, I don't have right. the, Squat meme deadlift can look this up.
1: <laughs> live stream people can see it. I'm giving you your clap. I'm giving you your clap. You, you had you had a moment as an oracle. That was that was. What <laughs> that's it was my, my that's my
0: mo- that's, that's my oracle moment.
1: Oracle, a slight oracle moment. I'm going to give two white lights a little bit of credit as a whole, though. I think I mean obviously some people knew about her, but I think we were the first like media outlet to kind of really hype her up pre nationals. No one yeah. was talking about her until we started.
0: Well, you show me her. Yeah, you show me her videos, and,
1: and, and yeah,
0: you showed me her videos before Mark Madness, and you were just like her training totals will easily win her 69. And then I looked, I'm like, oh, yeah. And because it was a new weight class, we didn't know what to think about that weight class. And we kind of both came to the conclusion there that Mark Mandis things, like, this is might be this might be the start of a powerlifting career where it rivals or emulates a Kim Walford, which anytime your powerlifting could rival or emulate a Kim Walford, you're on a very, very good starting point there because it is one of the one of powerlifting's all-time greats uh so many would consider her the female goat if you will so chandler bab you're amazing you're a grand slam champion you should be only referred to as chandler grand slam bab for the rest of your life I am very excited to see what he does. Hell, go to our WRPF. Fuck it, try try everything now. Dude, just go, <laughs> just go to WRPF. <laughs> see see if you can take down Chrissy Hawkins too. Might as well, right? Like, just doesn't. Win them all. I and I also love that attitude. Doesn't matter what federation it is. Doesn't matter. She just goes there and competes and kicks people's asses.
1: I love that. I, I really do enjoy that from a lifter. Um, and actually, I, I don't want to leave it out. We need to cover this one too. Is like close matchups versus just like who is the winner. Um, I didn't get to watch this one, so I don't have a lot of context for what went down. But the 84-plus kilo was only separated by 7.5 kilos from first to third. Um, Our pick, who we talked about leading in, who was not nominated first, Brittany Schlater, um, she came in and won it. I think, based off of attempt selection, I think she had it pretty handily, and she just kind of pulled what she needed on her third. That's my guess. Again, I didn't get to watch it. Um, But she came out. um, Emily Leach from Sweden in second. Emily Merger from Murger from france in third um but that was a super close battle um all i think yeah there was three pulls for the win emily went to pull for the win emily pulled the first and then Brittany pulled went in the first so there was three straight pulls for the win on that uh, actually four straight Annalena lena belt belquist from sweden threw on 40 kilos to try and pull for the win too it looks like mm. so that actually i would i that Actually, it was a pretty darn good class, even though I don't think it really had, like, uh, star names like the other classes do with, like, an Amanda Lawrence or Jessica Buehner, uh, a Leah Beauvoir. Um, but you had four pulls for the win um, in that 84, and Brittany pulled it out. I mean, her, her training was looking phenomenal, so it doesn't surprise me at all that she was able to win that. And, uh, eight for nine day, um, fantastic day for her.
0: Yeah, uh, yeah. Again, I think that was the one that I didn't see as much, you know, videos being reposted either. Uh, that was another one. A lot, unfortunately, a lot of these ones that I, I had to miss, um, just based on timing and work. Like, that's that's uh, man. I, that's the one thing about IPF worlds. It's like it's very depending on where it is. It's very uh, it's very inconvenient for most people's lives, uh, particularly mine. And I say IPF if you want to be a Two White Lights type of podcast or, or, or for you to be in favor of Two White Lights. Because right now, you're not completely in favor of Two White Lights. Just saying. Just make your IPF worlds at a time where I can watch them. So that's just the way three, to win that's me. That's
1: care about.
0: Well, yeah. Just, the, just I, I, mean,
1: I was able to watch most of these because they're quick. I mean, they're two and a half, three hours. Boom. I can watch them. I can have... that was great. great. So, um, one... Crazy thing, about too, about Brittany, she weighed 20 to 30 kilos less than uh, the second through fifth place lifters. She's a very underweight in comparison, 84-plus lifter, and still won. That's mm-hmm. usually not the case in that class. Yeah, yeah. So, um, but going to our more, or we'll call it dominant performances, uh, we'll start off Tiffany Chapone. She almost bombed out, though. Yeah, she almost bombed out on bench. She missed her first two benches, came back, hit it on her third. But if it wasn't for that, it was a pretty dominating performance. I mean, she's only, I believe, 19 or 20. We talked about her on the preview show. I mean, she's, she might be challenging uh, uh, Heather Connor next year. That, yeah. that, Heather's yeah. been kind of the queen here, not really been pushed too much. Tiffany is right there. Yeah, if,
0: I mean, if, pretty if,
1: dominating performance. Uh, massive squat, massive deadlift, three ninety seven point five kilo total. Uh, yeah, I mean, she ran away with it.
0: Yeah, I, yeah, I see that date of birth two thousand one. One makes me one makes me feel old. Two, you know, there's potential there. But the only thing with the forty seven kilos, it just in the future. Which, by the way, again, this is a young lifter who, God, they, like, just such a good, just under four hundred kilos in the total, hundred eleven points IPF, fan, just. A fantastic, fantastic performance, but it just, whenever I think of 47s, like you, you of course, have to think of Heather Connor. It's just something you have to do. I apologize. We have to bring up the American Lifter who didn't compete. But what I just always think of is how long are they going to be in the weight class? You know, they're young, they're lifting weights, you get heavier when you lift weights. So, how long do people really stick within this weight class is really the question, because a lot of people have a hard time staying. 47 um aside from really Heather Connor so we'll see you know the future in for her but we do know for a fact that she is a definite fin- definite phenom of lifter and a phenomenal lifter um another Fr- French powerhouse um they were definitely the overwhelmingly strong nation on the female side and the 63 kg queen right now but is evidence of that her performance at IPF Worlds was, you know, it, it was not. It was not surprising. I think everyone was expecting her to do it, but it's another thing to execute. And one hundred and twenty good lift points. She continues to exceed the expectations that are put on her. And I think the best overall female in the world is eventually going to go to Leah. It was close here. I'm trying to calculate. So, it was incredibly close. I have the number for you right now. It was by .6.
1: Well, I know it was by .6. So Amanda totals seven, 636.5. If she had totals 633.5, she loses. So Amanda basically won by three kilos. Um, and it was close to... I mean, I'm not Amanda at all. Amanda won best love It was phenomenal. Um, Leah... Probably had – she had more in the tank on squats. She just missed depth on that third one. Honestly, what well, part of a squat, she just missed depth. I think she can hit 210. Yeah. Um, I feel like Amanda probably emptied the tank a bit more. So, yes, Amanda's the best lifter in the world right now. But like you said, it, it – this is a battle that's going to continue and Leah likely is, I, I would, I would bet money at some point Leah is going to win that battle, whether it goes back and forth or whatnot, Leah is going to get the better of it at some point. Cause they are so close. Um, I mean, she had a near perfect meet. I mean, if, if it wasn't really for that, just kind of just barely missing depth on that fourth squat or that third squat, um, it would have just been perfection, basically.
0: Yeah. Um, I agree. I I think at a point that even whatever competition they both end up doing, I think Leo will just eventually get good lift points over Amanda. I think it's going to be neck and neck between them for a very long time. just as best overall lifters go. But, I mean, hey, this actually, this is not, uh, you know, our American bias here. This is, I guess, an Italian bias. Calora. Yep. She may have won this. Yeah, Calora is, like, when you get into the 63s and best overall lifter, Based on her numbers in single ply and raw lifting, she did win the 63s in an upset fashion in 2019. Kalora is another one of those lifters that you definitely have to throw in the mix there. So, Leah, Amanda, then I would say Kalora, then you get the Jessica Bittner and the other lifters there. But um, it's it's something definitely look out for, and, you know, this is... I don't. I, I think it, it might have been an injury. I'm actually not sure on exactly why she wasn't uh, able to compete. But I think,
1: she, I think she did get injured. So I just calculated. She totaled. She didn't cut enough. She she was just three pounds over. She obviously just didn't cut. It looks like uh, she competed in August and totaled five thirty eight at. So I I think probably the favorite still is Leah in that class. But that was kind. Of, that was what we were looking for. Is this class could have been highly. Yeah, in it, uh, and uh, if uh, who do I'm blanking? Who do we have at 63 win from the U.S.? Uh, Sam Calhoun. Sam Calhoun. For some, uh, for some reason, I'm thinking she's 57. It's pretty Sablicki's 57. Yeah. yeah, Of course, Sam Calhoun 63. Yeah, I mean the battle was we were thinking the Leah corolla Sam Calhoun, and we didn't get that. But even so, I mean even if they showed up, I, Leah's probably winning it. Um, I mean, she's got it. And the battle really for this meet was we talked about it. It wasn't even Leah in the 63s to beat the 63s or Amanda to beat the 84s. It was Amanda versus Leah Mm -hmm. and Amanda pulled it out. Um, She had a little hiccup on squat. Um, I mean, she had a good squat with her. She had hit hit a world record on her second attempt, but it it just didn't seem full strength yet. Um, But she hit a huge deadlift on her third attempt. Mm -hmm. Um, She actually, actually, she actually beat Leah on she took this on purpose she beat leah on her second attempt off a good lift score and then went up two and a half kilos um to chip it even a little bit more with that world record so um yeah and the big thing with amanda too i mean obviously she struggled a lot or she struggled for some meat with uh making attempts and she's kind of put that to rest lately Mm -hmm. i mean she's no longer going five for nine and missing on depth. I mean, she went eight for nine at this meet. She went, I believe eight for nine at the last world championships. Um, she's, she's really turned it into being a, a really good game day performer.
0: Yeah, I, I think so too. And um, I think that's one thing that, you know, flex has been working with her on or just, I think going into the strategies, just executing the lifts and knowing like that's where, that's where getting coaching from flex and having those people handle comes into, real benefit and that's where the lifter gets an advantage there because joey knows that leah can definitely be the best overall lifter on any given day like it'll have to be that close and that wise attempt selection is going to be uh huge in those battles and joey's a very good guy to have in your corner and also i'm not sure about this but isaac whistler too seemed like he was uh he was a big time handler for all these guys and girls who were competing in the Flex yeah, Fam he was, uh, during the Virgin he was Islands. Like, which he he himself is a world champion. I was very happy about that from Isaac Whistler. But yeah, he was handling along with the Flex uh, the Flex Fam, and they were getting like, their people in position to win. And really, the attempt selection all throughout like the entire Flex team was phenomenal, especially with Keiko. Like Keiko's. Keiko's attempts were just like, I think squat mean deadlifted the chef's kiss. And that's a very perfect thing. It's like, it was, it was one of those great,
1: perfectly called. I might be wrong in this, but I think, I think Joey was like FaceTime streaming the entire time. I know at least to an extent, because he was posting some of Russ's, uh, he was posting a stream of Russ's squats in the back room. Um, I think from Isaac's phone or something, maybe, I don't know the whole time, but I, I know he was definitely very involved with that too. But yeah, Isaac definitely came in clutch. Amanda um, huge meat. and the last one really I mean Jessica Butner, she had a really good meet she was really close to having an even bigger meet um, she had the strength on her third squat and she lost her balance and stepped back um, that right there she hits that and then she takes probably a little less on her deadlift she probably can go 575 mm-hmm. um, which is just huge I mean that's where we, we see kind of this weird gap uh, I mean this is how Leah out-totaled the 69 class. Um, She totaled 548. Chandler Chandler totaled 530. But after that, we start to get these outliers back. We got Jessica totaling 563 to 57, totaling 636. Um, I think what we know, the battle we want to see that would be really fun to see um, is Jessica versus Daniella. That's the one battle at 76 that could be really, really interesting. Yeah, I mean, we got to see what Danielle can
0: do, right? The Virginia Pro Invitational has has got to really be that, you know, me for her because I like it's just Jessica has built up a sizable lead on that, and I just don't know exactly where Danielle is to uh, to compete with. We we know what she can do, but like that rust is there from her. Jessica Buner, I think, again, is one of the top lifters in uh, overall. She's obviously the top seventy six, but. She's almost the um. She's almost getting like the the forgotten about treatment because of what Amanda and Leah does. And I think on any, I think at a point Jessica can be going well above one hundred fifteen good lift points consistently. You know the way she the the amount of muscle she has on her body. She is probably the most jacked female lifter in the world uh, on the drug tested side. And that usually means some some good carryover into your lifts and he obviously has the leverages for it. I am very, I'm, I'm very confident in Jessica going forward. Um, I think with this meet, it's just like, you know, you get IPF worlds and you miss, uh, you miss some attempts on some mistakes and it hurts you in the long run, but, uh, he's undoubtedly the best 76 kilo lifter in the world, in my opinion. And I think we'll be definitely making a run there for best overall lifter, uh, Coming next ipf worlds and the female side i mean when you really when you bring it into the global scale the female side i think in a lot of ways is better than the male side you have you have a lot more of those dominant like lifters on the male side because if you throw taylor at if you throw taylor atwood in the mix sorry i'm doing it again but if you throw taylor atwood in the mix and potentially dennis cornelis you get you get some runaways there and it's not as interesting
1: the female side has, like, the runaways and also the... Even Dan Clements. If you had Dan Clements, that could have been close. I don't want to say it's a runaway, but Dennis, Taylor, um, it w- we might not have had too many interesting battles on the bedside if you throw those in there. So, mm-hmm.
0: Yep, and um, France on points. It actually, was a little closer between uh, I have France uh, 53 points to Canada's 49. The um, U.S. Virgin yeah. Islands was third. That's pretty sweet. Take that, Britain. U.S. Virgin Islands won. take that colonialism. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm being on the other side.
1: Russia, t- Russia with their full-on doping program won <laughs> the men's side. Got to compete as a team still. Yeah, U.S. can't compete as a team. Russia could, and they won it.
0: Well, yeah, our lifters did, but not our so. federation. So that's and U.S. Virgin Islands got uh, fourth there. France third with 42 Sweden with 44 also I don't know if anyone cares to know but Italy with the most amount of junior medals Italian the future of Italian lifting is very good I think it's going to rival France as the European powerhouse that you know how we look at France is what we look at Italy I said on the preview show I have actually evidence to support my claim now the Italians are really fucking good. With the young lifters, um, the open lifters are good too, but with those young lifters, they are really, really good, especially on the female side. Yeah,
1: but, but yeah, on the open side too, I, I noticed it since because of the Fantasy League, seeing all these Italian lifters that were nominated like fifth or sixth, almost every single one outperformed their nomination. Almost every single, yep. single one of them was going, setting big – a lot of people weren't setting PRs. They were going below their nominated totals. Italy, though, was constantly – having lifters go well above their nominated totals and outplacing what the predictions were. So yeah, they they are definitely there. I mean, we got, uh, I mean, the big, the big players right now are the U S Russia, Sweden, France, Canada. uh, And I think Italy, Italy's coming, Britain's kind of hanging there, but they've never really been a huge player actually with their federation. That's kind of caused some issues of kind of how things are going. Mm -hmm. Um, but yeah, Italy is definitely going to be joining those ranks. It seems like
0: yeah, and also they got the best, uh, the most strict judging
1: in uh, in uh, under the IPF that might, umbrella. That might be one of the reasons why they do good at yeah. IPF worlds. Is it's no different, and it's less strict judging. Maybe so. Maybe that's one of the reasons why they do so well. Yeah, I think that's that's uh,
0: that could be a big reason. But uh, IPF is over and done with. We don't know what's going to happen exactly with the IPF. Going forward, I mean, we do know that the USAPL is likely out of this situation. No affiliate has been announced. I don't know when this is going to get rolling. Um, but now I think the, the attention kind of turns on what happens with the USAPL and our lifters and some of the Pro Series kind of stuff, too. Uh, we had that Virginia Pro qualifier that we saw uh, within the same weekend. That wasn't planned for anyone just wondering. That was not planned. It was impossible to be planned. We didn't know when IPF rules is going to be. It just coincidentally fell on the same time. It's funny how that works.
1: <laughs> yeah, we had uh, Ashton, obviously. Ashton came in and won that, no problem. I don't know if you noticed, saw uh, Chuck Poco came in hurt, pulled like a YOLO deadlift for a PR in his third attempt to get the sixth and final spot to then qualify for December so he can get in it.
0: Yeah. I saw that. Um, that's going to be really interesting because Charles uh, Charles was a Sheffield lifter. He was undoubtedly the best 66 kilo lifter in the world. He was a guy who could definitely make a stride into the, the best overall lifter was, too. Yeah, yeah,
1: because he's been hitting. He was hitting some squat PRs oh. before he strained his quad. Now, I I have heard he's not 60 anymore. I I, I it sounded like he is over that weight. Um, but still it doesn't matter. I mean, if he's going in there and hitting the numbers, he is, even if it's a little bit over and he's like 60, he's still definitely a player in that. So obviously I think that that'll probably be our next, uh, meet preview show is the Virginia pro then.
0: Yeah, that would be in December. I can't think of anything else to be before that. Yeah, that'll be, yeah, that'll be our, probably the, the hype will be built up from there. Uh, the roster, I think only has 11 lifters on it now, but that's just, I haven't signed up for it yet. And I think what's up 17 as of today. Oh, 17, I should probably actually sign
1: up for that shit. Yeah. Uh, there are some more in there, so it'll it'll slowly. Um, I know there's been some more dropouts, some that aren't announced. Um, so uh, we'll see how it goes. It's turning into a little bit of an untested meet with the these shakeups, but I mean, the ones that are signed up, it's still going to be a huge meet. It's still going to be probably the biggest non-Arnold, non-national meet we've ever had. You're going um, to still you're, huge. You are nice going, yeah. You're going to
0: see twenty something amazing lifters. Like, every lifter you're going to see at the showdown is going to be a lifter worth watching. They're going to be at least close to a record, a national record, a world record. They're going to be surpassing world records. Um, the, the competition as it stands, I'm not a big fan of the best overall lifter kind of thing, but I still think once, once you get past uh, Ashton, second, third, fourth gets really interesting. Like, then it gets – at, at this point, and also with Awa dropping out, I don't know second, third, or fourth. That's going to be quite a preview show, like, with males and females thrown in there too. So um, yeah. that's something to look forward to definitely. Um, we are going to work on getting a lot of people from the IPF – who compete at IPF on Two White Lights. Um, I'm trying to get Isaac on mainly because the energy – the energy he provides can last an entire week of shows, uh, so I'm trying to get him on uh, first. Actually, if you guys get this before he does, tell him to come on to White Lights like immediately so we can get this uh, Twitch stream actually going, too, and with this uh, interview. But Willifters Compete IPF, um, we're definitely going to try to have them on for the next week. You are going on a vacation, so I think we're going to just get
1: a whole list of fantastic interviews rolling. Yep. Yeah. And then we've got a little fun thing planned, Uh, Steve Mentors Angelo Yeah, uh, series going to come up. We still got to finish our coaching series with a couple coaches, but we're also going to do this Steve Mentors Angelo.
0: Well, now we have actual
1: time to do this because hopefully the USAPL
0: doesn't announce some fucking thing that we have to do a whole show on and there's no, like, issue there that we have to, like, push back all these people that we wanted to have on the show and we actually have something to, like, you know – Get those coaches in that little frame of that little time frame there. So, the that'll be good. I want I want to come up with a better title though. I think Steve t- uh, teaches Angelo, and then topic. <laughs> Steve teaches Angelo topic, and then like the topic
1: is right after that. Steve educates Angelo. Steve answers Angelo's question. <laughs> I'll I'll think about it. I don't know. There's got there's, there'll be a fun one. We'll see something. We'll, we'll have to make it something stupid, and I'll make a I'll take a picture. There's actually a, my, my YouTube videos. I a nerdy, untested power, a nerdy uh, keyboard warrior power lifter. Uh, I need to screenshot that and send the CV, and that will be like, like me with my class. I had all this stuff on that made me look nerdy, and that will be my little thing. It'll be Steve teaches Angelo so and so.
0: All right. Yeah, I like, like that. that. All right. Well, I'm looking forward to that. Uh, thank you for everyone tuning into Twitch. We'll see you guys next week. Peace!